0: Welcome to Round Hill Radio, the podcast from Round Hill Community Church. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary, find moments of grace and peace, and redefine what we're talking about when we talk about faith. Welcome to Round Hill Radio. I'm Leslie. I'm Ed. Good morning, Ed.
1: Good morning, Leslie.
0: So today we are discussing holiness,
1: <laughs> uh,
0: which is, I feel like on this podcast we have a tendency to take really big ideas <laughs> Like let's talk about this in twenty minutes, but I think the way that you want to approach it is really interesting. Um, and so let's just dive right in. What what draw what drew you to this topic, this this focus for today to begin with?
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm very interested in the word holiness because in some ways I think it's been misused. Uh, and it's just good when you have a big idea like this that, as you said, you know, let's peel it back a little bit. Let's see what's there. So, you know, if you take a um, a biblical concordance, which is like a big, thick book that contains every word in the Bible and tells you how many times it appears, if you look under the word holy or holiness, you will see a lot of occurrences. So it's there, especially in the Hebrew Bible. But um, so I think when, Um, When we think about the word holiness, we tend to think about something that's set apart. And the Hebrew word for holiness, chodesh, you know, does have that sense of something that is set apart, as in God. So the holiness of God is, is really, really important to these biblical authors. And you can see that thread running all the way through. And uh, holiness is also important in the history of the people of Israel, because the people of Israel come to believe that they are called to be a holy people, like their holy God. And they develop laws, rules, regulations that, that in a sense, separate them from you know, the people around them. They, they give them a distinctive voice and mission. And uh, so that's a very rich understanding. Uh, I've been thinking about holiness though, in maybe a, a more fundamental sense as just, what is it like when we encounter something that doesn't fit into any of the categories, right? And uh, I just, you know, I remember as a child, I, I grew up in a, in a part of the country where I had a, a great access to woods and open fields and all that sort of thing. You know, there were times when I would be outside in a storm or where it was incredibly silent and I would feel this otherness. And I think that's what holiness, you know, suggests to me in my personal life. this sense that you are in the presence of something other. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm I, the other thing that interested me about this, Leslie, is that we're in the post-Easter, not the post-Easter season, but we've just celebrated Easter. We're in Easter Eastertide, uh, which runs for several weeks after Easter. But I think about the experiences that the disciples had of Jesus after he rose from the dead. And, uh, you know, these are basically ghost stories where he is now present in their midst as something the same and yet completely different. And he, you know, they're basically have the wit scared out of them in almost every one of these encounters. And I think encountering holiness has a little bit of that flavor to it, right? You are, you are in the presence of something that you can't understand, can't control, and uh, it evokes terror and it, it can also evoke awe. So I'll I'll start the ball rolling with those those comments.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. And you mentioned a few few brief examples of people of the Bible. So, what are some other um, times or or experiences that people in the Bible had had with holiness?
1: So there's a beautiful story that, again, I think kind of resonates, you know, and we're living in the in Fairfield County. We have a lot of woodland around us, a lot of stone and a lot of rock. And I think about this great story of a man named Jacob. His story is told in the book of Genesis. He's really not a very great character in a lot of ways. And he's running away from home because he's done something really bad and he's basically running for his life. And. um, he goes to sleep. He takes a rock and he uses a rock for a pillow. And at night, he has this dream of angels ascending and descending on a ladder that stretches up to heaven. Of course, he wakes up in the morning and he's completely unsettled by this, but he recognizes that something has happened. He's been in the presence of something holy. And he pours oil on the rock. And in a sense, he creates an altar there which is really an interesting thing, right? We And people still do this to this day. They may not pour oil on a rock, but they'll set rocks up in like a little small cairn if something has happened somewhere uh, that they want to recall, remember? And so he just says, you know, I was, I was asleep here and God was here and I didn't even know it. Uh, and I think that to me is a story also about holiness. It's something that, again, it happened to him in the middle of the night when he couldn't control it, but it was this... It was as if this inner doorway, you know, just opened up in his life and he became aware of this other dimension and that stayed with him through his entire life. And I think in most of these stories, when people encounter the holy, it's not something they forget anytime soon. <laughs> Tends to stay there in the memory. It back. sticks with you. Yeah, it sticks with you.
0: What, what was the purpose of the oil? I feel like that's something that I've read about and not really understood what that
1: what that means for people. You know, it's a good question. I I think that oil is, so there's a reference to oil in the 23rd Psalm, uh, which is this, a person who is receiving oil as a blessing. So oil is used to consecrate something or to make it holy, uh, you know, to set it apart. And I think that because uh, oil was revered in that way in the culture that it tended to be used I'm sure for all kinds of daily purposes, but it was also used in sacred rituals uh, to set something apart. And so, you know, this tradition continued all the way up into early Christianity. And in fact, the anointing of someone's head, which is taking some oil and literally, you know, rubbing it into a person's forehead, continued up into and beyond the time of Jesus, even to this day. Um, you know, clergy in some religious traditions use oil as a healing ointment, you know, as a sign of of healing. Um, so it's it's as if it's this tangible way, you know it's a way to give tangible expression to something that you can't really grasp that's intangible, yeah, that
0: it makes, sort of sounds like what maybe the the history of baptism. Mm. grew out of right the of holy water grew out right. of holy oil maybe when there wasn't abundance or availability or something
1: yeah great connection it's as if we have this need to kind of touch right and sort <laughs> of do do something tangible to say this is really happening to me um or this you know this rock is a place where the holy came through so i better i better mark it in some way yeah. and uh, using oil as a way to do that
0: yeah the idea of marking those moments is, is so interesting. And yeah, um, the Cairn uh, visualization is so strong in that. I think that ties us so well into there's, so I feel like in modern day, we have a lot of, there's holy places. Mm. Um, now for me, I, this also ties into a question I have, which is, would you use the word term holy and would you use sacred? Are those interchangeable for you or do those t- signify slightly different things?
1: Well first of all I want to confirm that we're on the same same wavelength because I thought I wonder how the word sacred fits into this <laughs> <I've been laughs> written down
0: <laughs> it's sacred so
1: We're in sync here on this
0: Nice
1: You know I um uh, I would I would say in one sense that they're almost synonymous with each other um but the word holy is a word that's rooted more deeply in the biblical tradition than the word sacred. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think the word sacred actually comes in much later. But uh, so I I think about these, again, the appearance of the word in the biblical text. It's really the word holiness to denote this contact with God, right, with the spirit. Uh, But we also do choose to set apart certain kinds of music as sacred music. And I think that's a really fascinating question. You know, what makes what makes a piece of music sacred, as opposed to not being sacred, and uh, or what makes one place sacred, as opposed to not being you know sacred. And just a quick thought that I'd love to hear your thoughts on this musical question. But we still refer to the Holy Land in Israel today, right? I so what's fascinating to me about the word holiness is that as soon as you use it about something, you might be implying that something isn't holy, right? That it's unholy. And I I think that, um, you know, over the years, people have shared with me the idea that all places can be sacred places. They can all be holy places. What makes them unholy is when we desecrate them. Mm -hmm. So they start holy, they start as sacred places, but then our use either affirms that or it or denies it. and I have found that very helpful. that's an idea that I'm stealing by the way, from a poet and a farmer by the name of Wendell Berry. and I think his his view he lives in Kentucky and um, his view that all land is sacred we're the ones who, who damage it, right So anyway, my what about sacred music? I want to hear <laughs>
0: Well, I have so many thoughts. Um, I'll start with sacred music since you asked. For me, I mean, as a student of the literal Institute of Sacred Music, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think there's a very literal definition, which is that music that was written for
1: the Mm. church. So Mm. the
0: subject is God and holiness or religious faith-based music Um, and was written for this specific uh, specific thing. Not to say that music we set apart in our own lives can't be holy and sacred in its own ways, Mm -hmm. Um, but I wonder if there's like a capital S and a lowercase s uh, Uh (laughs) demarcation there. Um, What you were saying before really made me think, and I'm, I'm gonna float an idea past you. I wonder if, if we're trying really hard to say that maybe holy and sacred might be slightly different.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It strikes me that maybe a holy place is a place that the divine has appeared or created or, or made the, made itself known,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or that, mm-hmm. is, that is set apart by the divine. Mm-hmm. And a sacred place is set apart by us, mm. by we have we've had something happen or we sacred to me feels very personal. Mm. It feels like that's a sacred space for me. I said I set that apart.
1: Yes. I yes. don't feel
0: like I have the power to call something holy, but I feel like uh-huh. I have the power in my own Circle to call something sacred. Sacred to I feel like there's like the the missing rest of the phrase sacred to me. Mm. Right, so something sacred feels very personal. Yeah. Holy feels more universal.
1: Right. Just I love that past you. I,
0: that's strictly my own little definition.
1: I think it's a great definition. I think it's really intriguing to distinguish them in that way. I've heard people say, you know, if their homes were broken into and they lost something. Usually, the word they will use is "you know that thing was sacred to me." Mm. You know the phrase that you used. Um, they wouldn't have said "holy,"
0: right?
1: Right. So I, I like the way that you're distinguishing those things. I I think there is it is important to have a distinction because the world that we describe as being holy is one from a biblical standpoint. I think through the stories that have accumulated over the years. It's not something over which we have control, you know? So like Moses says to God in the book of Exodus, when they meet for the first time next to this bush that's burning, but not burning, it's a very unreal kind of episode, but he, he wants to know God's name. And God basically says, I will be what I will be. Like, don't ask my name, okay? <laughs> that's as good as it's going to get. But that's because God doesn't want to be controlled. God doesn't want to reveal a name that Moses can use to have any kind of control. So, um, but if Moses had set up a cairn there, if he'd set up some rocks in a certain way, he might have called that a sacred place. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that now that you raise this, I mean, I think it's a really great thought, Leslie. When I read books about spiritual retreats, you know, they will talk about sacred places. And I think over time, these are places that have become sacred because of the way we, ha- we have used them. Now, maybe somebody had an experience, an encounter with the holy initially. And then over the years, you know, this becomes then a sacred place because of the way that pilgrims have chosen to use it. And I think about the island of Iona off the coast of West, you know, the West Coast of Scotland. Mm-hmm. It's been affiliated with Christianity or, you know, recognized as being the launching pad for Christianity in Scotland since the year 563. I think, you know, tens of thousands of people go to Iona every year, this little tiny island, because they're drawn to it. And in a sense, they're drawn to the possibility of an encounter there. They're hoping that something will, you know, the veil will be withdrawn and they'll have this this encounter with the elusive presence of so, but but great thought. I love this. It's it's making me think a lot about the interplay of these two words.
0: Thanks. Well, it actually leads us, your comment leads us so well into my last question for today. So, listeners of our podcast will have heard our introduction we use every week to help describe sort of our sort of our little, a little mission statement, our centering statement. Um, and there's the phrase of finding holy in the ordinary. Right. You know, we say right. that every week and every podcast. And um, I think think what you were saying, I'm trying to find something large at Iona. So what are those little moments of holiness that we can find in our lives?
1: So I think there's a couple of uh, cues that we can take from the stories about the encounters that Jesus' disciples have with him after he's resurrected. One of the first encounters, he comes into their midst and he actually shows them his wounds. So he's a resurrected body. As one scholar has said, he's the same Jesus, but he's completely different. And yet he still has the wounds in his body. Mm -hmm. And that, that story has been so powerful for people over the centuries who have themselves either been wounded Uh, either in terms of their physical being or in terms of their intellectual or their mental process in some way. So in the ordinariness of our bodies, Jesus can be experienced. And that's, I think that's the holy and the ordinary. And then one of the other encounters he has, um, he, he meets up with a couple of disciples who are heading out of Jerusalem because they don't want to get caught up in all of the fracas there. And, um, they don't know it's Jesus. They don't recognize him. Again, he's the same Jesus, but completely different. And they sit down and, and they, they eat with him. And at the moment where they break bread, they suddenly recognize him. This is kind of a, a you know, story that gives you chills a little bit. They see him, they recognize him, and then he vanishes. So this is a kind of a, a ghost story. right? Um, but they, all of that happens in the ordinary moment of breaking bread. And so that's something that I think people of faith really love to consider, this idea that in simple moments like that, um, again, putting water on a forehead at baptism, eating a meal together, saying a simple prayer together, or looking at the stars, all of these moments are quite ordinary. They're available to us every single day. But sometimes a window opens or a door opens and something comes through right the, the spirit finds a way through and we feel that again in our bodies mm-hmm. and those moments become special and and you know if over the years i've asked people to think back on their lives and say tell me about some of the moments you know when you experienced grace people never have difficulty finding those moments and they're always connected almost always connected to very simple pleasures or meetings day, you know, daily week kind of stuff, just weekday kind of stuff. And um, I love that because it means that the holy can be found in the ordinary. Hopefully we have our eyes and ears open to to see it.
0: But that makes me think about a little liturgical nerd moment I was thinking about this morning, which is at that moment of breaking bread in the Eucharist, right? we have. Uh, what's called the Sanctus Bells. Uh, yes. Our listeners are familiar with those, but they're, I mean, they, they sound, <laughs> it's going to be really sacrilegious, but they sound like, like rain, like sleigh bells. Mm. Um, they're very high pitched. They're very happy. They're yeah. very happy sounding bells. Um, and sometimes tower bells will ring. but there's this moment where there is holiness in, in our liturgy and, And bells ring And it's just like, yay, holy (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, so Sanctus Being holy um, If you sing the Sanctus from a mass The text is holy, holy, holy Lord God of power and might You know, um, heaven and earth Are full of your glory Hosanna in the highest I mean, it's just, it's happy It's just happy Um, And the funny thing is, too, that a lot of the times When composers set a song to's it's, it's happy, but there's always like a sweetness to it. It's not usually this like rambunctious. Mm. There's not like, it's not like, it's not heavy, happy. Yeah. I don't know. It's there's i I'm going to get, I'm going really nerdy now, but there's, there's a theory of the quality of keys mm. of that. C major sounds different than E flat major, which sounds different than G major, which sounds different than a major. Yeah. Um, I personally find C major to be very heavy.
1: It's Mm. a little,
0: it's a little much. Uh It's like a little, it's like aggressively happy. This is not the Sanctus. The Sanctus is more like no. an E flat, an A flat. It's got it's got a roundness to its yes. happiness. It's got a sweetness to its happiness. Um, if that didn't make sense to anybody listening, just ignore it. I'm going to stop now. But <laughs> I think it's you know I think it's interesting that the quality of joy um, and a recognition of the happy and the holy is uh, is is sweet.
1: Yeah, I love that. I think it's a beautiful <laughs> thought, right? And it's important to get that right, though, because if if the if the feeling that we're after, you know, is of the sweetness, but if the musical sound is heavy, or if the language is too heavy, mm-hmm. and they work against each other, and they don't really, you know, assist one another to bring us into this place, and I love this idea of, you know, there's there's something about to happen, and a bell rings. as if to say don't miss it you know (laughs) pay attention (laughs) yeah pay attention it it makes me think of that great book the polar express um because there's a there's a little bell in that you know and as long as you can hear that sound of the bell this magic happens and uh i think that that's i think it's i kind of like using the word magic Mm. when i'm thinking about things like the sacred and the holy because Over the years, you know, the word magic has kind of been pushed to the side. Like, we don't want to get that involved here. But there (coughs) is something magical that happens when our eyes are open and we think, oh, my gosh, I'm seeing that thing in a completely fresh way. Um, And then this feels like a, a moment of holiness. You know, that's a beautiful, beautiful human experience. And it can happen anytime.
0: Absolutely. So we encourage you to keep your eyes open for the holy in the ordinary. And do you have any final thoughts for us today, Ed?
1: I just keep thinking about William Blake, who was an English poet, and he used to talk about, or he talked about in one of his poems about seeing heaven, I think it was, in a grain of sand. And you think about holding at the beach, you know, one little grain of sand, and he was looking, looking, looking at it and thinking, you know something, if you look closely enough, you can see heaven in there. So. That's my closing thought. Look look carefully. Thanks, Ed. Thank you, Leslie.
0: Thanks for listening. Round Hill Radio is brought to you by the friends and members of Round Hill Community Church. For more information, please visit roundhillcommunitychurch.org.